God is good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Now, we spent a lot of time in Romans 12 uh, a few months ago, and we actually went to great detail of the whole chapter. Some of you were here for that. If you weren't, uh, you can go back. I believe it was called uh, When Life is Worship. It's back a few months. So you can go and check that out because today we're not going to go through, we're not really going to study the whole chapter like we've done before. We're going to spend our, most of our time on a little section. It's okay to do that. Sometimes we, sometimes we look at the big picture. Sometimes we get our microscopes out and look at the small picture. And both are good. So if you want the big picture of Romans 12 about living life as a, a living sacrifice, as your life is worship, go back and listen to that. That was a few months ago. Uh, but tonight, today, let's talk about those first three verses, which I think are so important in your life. I think these three verses have ma- made more of an effect on my life than um, any of the self-help books, or whether they be Christian or secular self-help books out there. There's a lot to just knowing the Word and believing the Word. It's not a wrong thing. It's not a wrong thing to have a book written by somebody who knows what they're talking about. It's not a bad thing to hear what they have to say. It's not a bad thing for you to learn something. But I know the Word of God is, is more powerful than anybody's opinion. It's, it's more true. It's more real. And so this is my life, and this should be yours as well. You look into this, and you find light. You know, we're in a world full of darkness, and the Bible says, uh, King David wrote this, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. And so lamp unto your feet, that's where you are right now. That's where... Uh, it tells me what's going on right now, but it is also a light into my path. It shows me what's in front of me, and thank God for that. Because if you don't have that, you don't know what's going on. You can't see. If you can't see, what do you do? You bump into stuff. You, you stumble around. You get lost. It's easy to get lost in a day and age like today. But thank God we have a path. We have a light. The Lord has been good to us. He gave us His Word. And uh, this word is just as real now as when it was first written. So Romans chapter 12. And we're going to start right in verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren. Well, actually, you know what? I, I'm going to go to Romans chapter 11 simply because he started out with therefore. And if you ever start with therefore, you should always read the verse before that, shouldn't you? He says, for from him, this is Jesus, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, because everything on earth, everything including us, was created through him, by him, through him, and to him. So everything's purpose is for him. Everything's reason for existence is him. Everything started with him. Everything ends with him. And everything good done through him so because of that therefore i urge you brethren now brethren that includes girls too this is just kind of the way they'd say in their vernacular siblings we're brothers and sisters in the room tonight this morning i have got to remember it's morning there's daylight out there and i know that this morning we're brothers and sisters he says we're part of that same family we've been adopted so i urge you now if somebody had to urge you does does that mean that you have a part to play in this? I would think so, right? 
Because if it was automatic, nobody would ever have to urge you to do anything. I don't say, brethren, I urge you to breathe. Well, go ahead, try it. I urge you, Jared, I urge you, blink once in a while. If you don't blink, there's going to be dust in your eyes, and you're just going to have all sorts of issues. You can get scratches. and uh, Just blink, Jared. I don't need to say that. That's automatic, right? So this must not be automatic. This has got to be something you've got to put your mind to. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, which means I'm not urging you because uh, I really want to boss you around. I'm not urging you because I have a good idea. I'm urging you in light of the mercy of God, in light of the great mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So I, I'm not going to go in depth into this like we did last time. You want the in-depth? Go back to that. But he says in verse 2, And do not, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. What does it mean to be conformed? It means, just like it sounds, you take on a form. You, you start to mold into another form. You start to act like something else. You start to adapt to the surroundings around you. We are human beings. It's in our nature to adapt, right? I mean, adaptation's a good thing. It, it helps you to survive. When you move to Canada, if, uh, or if you were born in Canada, something kept you from wanting to run off the face of the earth every time it got minus 30. You adapted. You learned, this is Canada. We will survive. We've survived before. And you know how it is in October, that first snap of cold, you know, it might be minus three. And it's minus three outside, and we think the world is over. This is the end. But today I got my car, and it says it was minus 28. And it wasn't that bad. We've adapted. Right? So adaptation is not a bad thing, but you've got to guard yourself. There are things you don't want to adapt to. And really... We are born again. Jesus said something when he prayed to the Father in John chapter 17. He says, Father, here's what I pray. I don't pray that you take them out of the world. So that's good. When you got born again, you weren't just automatically raptured and taken out of here. Some of us wish we were. But he said, I don't pray that you take them out. I pray that you keep them from the evil one. So here's the deal. He left you here. He left you in a world that's messed up with people that are messed up. He didn't try to take you out of that. But he did pray that you'd be kept from the evil one and his influence. And I believe that Jesus gets his prayers answered. So you got stuck on this planet with people that uh, aren't quite where they need to be. You're not quite where you need to be, so it's all okay. But when we got born again, something changed in us. Ephesians 5 says you are light. Walk as children of light. And it goes on to say that the world around us is surrounded with darkness. Why is it surrounded with darkness? Because God is light. It's where he is, there's light. Now, we've said this before, but darkness is nothing more than a place where there is no light, right? There's not a force of darkness. There's, there's not, uh, like we've said before, you can buy a flashlight, but you can't buy a flash dark. You can't shine a beam of darkness around. That doesn't work. Darkness is simply a place where there is no light. And so... It's not a surprise that the world around us is dark. It's not because God's not there, but it's because God is, has been rebelled against. And so 
When you resist God, you resist his light. Do you know there's light all around you? But if you want, you can shut your eyes and you won't see that light. You could put a blindfold on and you wouldn't see that light. Doesn't mean the light's not there, but it means you resisted it. And so the Lord sent us as light into the world. Do you know you've got to choose who you're going to look like? You want to look like you want to look like Jesus or do you want to look like everybody else? Because everybody else is kind of making their own way based on what they think is right. But I learned something. I learned something, and this has helped me in life. I don't know what's right. In fact, nobody knows what's right. Unless you look to the one who is perfect and who made right and who is always right. See, in my own self, I don't have a clue. We try to just come up with things that feel right. I can tell you, things that feel right aren't always right. You ask the guy that's in prison for doing something he shouldn't have done, he might have felt like doing it. Just because you felt like assaulting somebody doesn't mean it was right. We all have these, these thoughts, well, this seems right to me. It seems like it worked to me. But you know what? Our compass is broken until, until you get born again. You get filled with his spirit. You get a new compass put inside of you. And it points north. And when you have any doubt about what that compass is saying, thank God he gave you his word, which is a living compass. And it points always to the right direction. You know, we live in a culture where you get to decide where you think north is. But what if I blindfolded all of us? We, we all were blindfolded. We're dropped off right near the Grand Canyon. That sounds like a good deal, right? We all like that. Hey, let's do that. Especially on a day like today. I'd love to be at the Grand Canyon. I pulled a nasty prank at the Grand Canyon on my mom. Where the, I'll tell you this, to foster goodwill. <laughs> I was younger and stupider. And, uh, you know, where the, the, the national park part of the Grand Canyon, it's got nice rails and glass and, you know, little signs that say things. And, and in our day and age, they make every effort that you cannot possibly hurt yourself even if you tried so, you, so nobody gets sued, right? I mean, I grew up in a time of nice metal playground equipment. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. Now it's, it's as soft as it can get, right? And so, well, it could get softer, and it might get softer. <laughs> but in the Grand Canyon, when you go visit the main part, there's, there's rails. I mean, there's nobody that's going to accidentally fall off. But a little bit over, there's, there's reservation land. And, and if you get permission, you can go on the reservation land and see the Grand Canyon from that edge. Well, there's no rails there. And uh, I noticed as my mom and my sister went back for a camera, and my dad and I were looking, and my mom and my sister were already very nervous by how close we were getting to the edge. It just seemed like a bad thing, which here I am standing right now. There's no rails, and I'm not falling over. I'm okay. I can do this. So if, if there's a cliff there, I can still stand up straight. I've been doing it all my life. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. They go back to the car and go get a camera. I notice as I look down that there's a ledge you can't see unless you're standing right over it. And there's a ledge just down there, just, a, uh, just about three, four feet down. There's a nice ledge. You can't see it unless you're looking over. So I thought, well, this is hilarious. This will be good. I crawl down on that ledge. There's no rails behind me or anything. There's the Grand Canyon behind me. But there's enough ledge for me to stand on. I crawl on the ledge, and I stick my head and my hands above, above the cliff. 
And I wait for Mom and Liberty to come back. And I got my scream and, you know, screech and all that. I got what I was looking for. Dad had a good laugh. Mom and Liberty um, said something along the lines, if you ever do that again, we'll really push you off, or something like that. What if I dropped you off at that Grand Canyon? Not the rail part, but the part with no rails. Blindfolded you and said, you go any direction but north, you will fall off a cliff. And then spun you around and said, go north. Well, maybe in an open canola field, you'd be okay with saying, this is my north. I decide this is north. You know what? I just feel that this is north. We all have our own north, don't we? We all just, don't step on my toes with your beliefs. This is my north. I, I feel like this is north. It's my way. I'm going to go my way. Well, that's all good, well and good when we're in the canola field, but when I put you in the Grand Canyon and any direction but north, you're going to fall off a cliff. You're going to want to know what the real north is. <laughs> and that's life. Life, we're not in the big canola field. There's an enemy. There's darkness. But thank God, God loved you enough to not just spin you around and say, figure out your own north. He gave you a compass and said, follow this and you'll live. Follow this and you'll thrive. Follow this and you'll grow. Follow this and I will make your way straight. That's his promise to you. Now, everybody else just says, well, we kind of feel like this should be north. And you know what? They end up falling off cliffs. They end up running into bushes. They end up coming into issues because they've decided what's right. I, 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 we've all done that. But thank God, God loved you enough not to leave you on your own, but to show you the way and show you a light. And so if you conform and adapt to everyone around you, which is a great temptation, some of you are real A personalities. Some of you are going to march to the beat of your own drum. You don't want to be like anybody else. I'm going to tell you, my personality is a very adaptive personality. I tend to talk about the stuff that people around me want to talk about. All right, you guys want to talk about baseball? I can do that. Let's talk about that. You guys want to talk about history? I like that. Let's talk about that. I don't usually, you know, get in a conversation and want to force my way into it. I don't usually uh, want to just say, well, you all need to be like me, and that's the way it is. I'm not typically that kind of personality. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're not the kind that just bulldozes into a situation and says it's my way or the highway. Some of you, that is your, that is your method. <laughs> but with that, some of us are more likely to want to blend or conform to the group around us just so we don't hurt anybody, we don't offend anybody, everybody feels comfortable. But you know, as a believer, you can't be conforming to the old way that you, used to, that you came from, the old nature that you came from. I've said this before, but you could go and you could, all of us here, we could, we could play dead. We could act like we were dead. But you know a dead person can't play like they're alive. If they're dead, they're dead, right? The world around you, here's what the Bible says. When we received Jesus, we came alive. We were dead, but now we're alive. And it seems real silly for you to show up at a funeral and crawl in the casket with a dead person so that you can fit in. Isn't that weird? You're trying to fit in with the wrong people. You want to fit in with the live people or the dead people? 
I like the alive. You know, if that dead person had their choice, they'd probably want to look more like you. Their, their chance is gone. Why don't you just take advantage of the fact that you can breathe and act like you're alive? So it says, do not, do not, and if we could put this in all caps, we would, do not be conformed to this world. Now, when he says this world, he's not talking about the planet. He's talking about the system, the, the, the way everybody else is. He says, don't be conformed to it. And you know, it's so easy to be conformed to it when that's all you ever flood your mind with. When you go home and you watch hours and hours of TV or you play hours and hours of games or all these things, you watch all these movies, I understand TV movies. I get it. I'm not saying you have to cut it all off. But when you go home and you flood yourself with that, you will become like what you look at. You will become like what you're immersing yourself in. It is not, it's not a mystery. It's not weird science. That's the way it works. I started to notice that the shows I would get into when I was a teenager... I would start acting like that main character. Well, I'm not saying I'd go out and try to arrest somebody, or I, I you know, I'd, I'd try to. But I noticed, for instance, there was a show where it had a, had a bit of more of a sarcastic lead character. I noticed when I got into that show, I got more sarcastic. And I really noticed it. And I had to put the brakes on. I stopped watching it. Not because, the, I mean, the show was PG, it was fine. But I noticed my nature starting to change because I spent too much time with it. So I stopped watching it. You will conform to what you surround yourself with. And the Bible says here, don't conform. Do not be conformed to the world. When you conform to something, that's not who you really are. It's what you're trying to adapt to be. He says, instead of being conformed, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is cool. There's two words here. One is conformed, which means, now you think, what's a, what's a conformist? Right, a conformist is somebody that just kind of tries to blend with everybody else. They, they, maybe they're, you might call them a sellout. This is somebody that, you know, they, they give up who they really are to fit in with everybody else. You know, some people have that view of, of being a believer. They think you come to church, you just got to conform to everybody else. No, it's not the case. We're not asking you to conform. We're asking you to be transformed. Now, there's a difference. To be conformed means you kind of adapt to something. When you transform, you are completely changed. It's the difference between a caterpillar and a butterfly. You're not the same thing anymore. To be transformed is a completely new nature. And so here's the deal. God's not asking you just to act like everybody else. Not just to pretend like you're a good Christian, but to rather be transformed, be changed, so that you are what you believe. You are who he says you are. That you're genuinely a different person. The world can't do that for you. Transformation is a miracle. You know, being conformed, that's something you can do. But being transformed, that's something only God can do. And he said, so you have the ability to be transformed because you've got a new nature in you. You were born again. But now you have a part to play in it. He doesn't say, don't worry, God's going to transform you. Does he? Now we know it's God that's doing it, don't we? I mean, we have no power to transform on our own. We have no power to be a different person, to change. We know that it's got to be God's power because I can't, I can't be something different than I am. But you can through His power. 
And here's how he says to do it. Be transformed means that you've got a part to play in it, or else he wouldn't have to tell you anything. If you sit back and enjoy it, you'll just be different next week. He says, don't be conformed, so you have to resist conforming, and you have to embrace transforming. Well, how do I embrace transformation? It says, by the renewing of your mind. Your brain, your mind is where the battlefield is. It's where the war is fought and won or lost. What you decide to believe, what you decide to say, what you decide to think about is all of these things that affect who you really are. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, renewing. We've talked about this before, but you are a spirit, right? And when you got born again, the old person you used to be died. And you got a new spirit, brand new, perfect, holy, righteous. But you retain the same old brain you've always had, right? This is the same mind I've always had. So maybe it's not a surprise to you that when you got born again, you still had some bad habits. Some of you were delivered in an instant from some of those things. Thank God. Some of you had to say, I need to overcome this thing. My tendency, even though I'm born again, my old method of dealing with this situation would be to blow up at this person and tell them, well, you're just going to have to listen to me. But you're born again now. You can't be that person anymore. Your old person may be revenge. Your old person, the old way you might have dealt with something is completely different than how you deal with it now. That's part of being renewed in your mind. Well, how do we renew our minds? Well, the Scripture says one of the ways that we're washed is by the water of the word. That, that one of the ways that we're renewed is by saying, God, how do you think? Because I obviously don't think the way I need to think. Like we said last week, most of life is all about saying, God, you're right. I don't know why you're right yet, but I know you're right. And I'm just going to settle the issue that you're right. You think about it. We believe in God. I think everybody in this room believes in God. We believe in God. He is an omnipotent, omniscient being. He sees everything. He knows everything. 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 He's infinitely more intelligent than you could ever imagine. When people try to figure out God fully with their brain, it's, it's an impossible task. If you could really figure him out with your brain, he'd be a very tiny God. He's so much smarter, so much bigger than you can imagine. He's so much way further ahead of us, like infinitely. He created you. You say, well, I, I, I'm a pretty progressive person. I, I think I've, I've got a handle on what's coming up. He's already been to the future. He's there. He's not surprised by anything. Science, I love science. Do you know what? He created it. Science is us chopping away at the tiniest beginning of what he's done. Just barely scratching the surface of what he's done. Oh, yeah, we think we got it all figured out now. We thought we had it all figured out 500 years ago. We thought we had it figured out 50 years ago. Did you notice, if you're, if you're a science fan, have you noticed that every 10 years, science has changed drastically. Why? Because we're just catching up 
and catching up and catching up, and we're never done. There's never going to be a day where science says we figured it all out. There is an infinite God with an infinite universe. Even science can tell us that the universe is ever-expanding, and God knows all about it. He's done it. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like your dog thinking he's got you figured out. Yeah, he notices you come out home at a certain time. He wags his tail when he hears the, the bag open that's got the dog food. But you know, he doesn't have your life figured out. He doesn't know why you fell in love with your wife. He doesn't know what your hopes and dreams are. If you told him, he wouldn't get it. I'll tell you, Ralphie. I mean, I, I'm a plumber, but secretly, I really want to be a hockey player. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, he doesn't understand what you're saying. Your dog may think he knows you, but you know you're way smarter than your dog. And multiply that by like a zillion and just keep going. Because God is so much higher than us. Here's the deal. Here's the wonderful thing. He's so much higher than us. <laughs> the example of a human and a dog is not even fair. Because we're way closer to the dog than, in intelligence than he is to us. And yet, he doesn't say, stay away from me, you'll never understand. But he is a God who reveals mysteries. And why are they mysteries? They're mysteries because you don't have the capability of understanding those things without his help. But he's given you his help. Renewing your mind is saying, God, we're, we're basically, as a species, pretty stupid. But you're very smart. I'd rather think like you. Tell me how to think. Show me how to, show me how to react. I know the way I used to think is wrong. But I know you've created me in your likeness. And I know that you've got a path for me. And you love me enough to show me where I need to go. Renewing your mind, you've got to, con you've just got to completely overhaul the thing and say, I have got to think different than everybody else I know. Unless everybody else I know is thinking like God, i got to change. He says, when you do that, you're not just conformed, you're transformed. Renewing your mind has a lot to do, I mean, with every area of your life. It has to do with addictions. It has to do with old habits. It has to do with, with uh, you know, how you approach problems, how you approach people. All of these things have to change. He says, when you do this, you will prove what the will of God is. That means your life will demonstrate the will of God. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. The will of God is all those three things. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. So those three things he tells you you're going to need to do. You're going to need to first submit and surrender your life as a living sacrifice. He says you're going to need to not be conformed. And he says you're going to need to be transformed. So we're talking about a surrendered life, a separated life, and a changed life, a transformed life. When you have those three things going, the will of the Lord is beginning to be proven in your life. Let's look in Ephesians 4. I want to show you something.
the more you get into the Word of God, the more your instincts change. The more you, I mean, your, your natural instincts, which come from your brain, the more you, your first reaction. You know that first two seconds when you react to something and you couldn't help yourself? I used to jump out at my sister all the time. You guys are finding out some stuff about me. Thank God. I'm not the prankster I used to be. <laughs> I used to jump out at her, try to surprise her all the time. And I remember down in this church basement, it was Mom and Dad were working upstairs, and it was just us. It was dark. She jumped out at me. My fist stopped milliseconds from her face, millis- millimeters from her face. And it wasn't because I was mad. I wasn't mad. It was an instinct. Like, I, I, I did not have control over that. You know, some of you guys do that. It's like, it's a bad idea to surprise me. You will end up hurt, right? <laughs> Well, that's not because you're, you're wanting to teach her a lesson. It was an instinct. Well, I, I find that your instincts, as far as how you react when someone insults you, how you react when, um, when, when a situation around you looks bad, how you react when you stub your toe, all these things change when you're renewing your mind to be more like Jesus. You react differently. Even, those, even the split-second reactions change. You see, the more you get into the Word, the more it gets into you. And the truth of the matter is, here's the cool thing. You know, those before you have time to think, you'll find the more you get into the Word, when you're about to get in a car accident and you don't have time to think of your favorite verse, the Word that needs to come out of you will come out of you because you've marinated in it. You'll find when you stub your toe instead of profanity, what comes out is crying out to the Lord in faith. You'll find that when everything around you looks terrible and people are falling down and and there's disaster around you, that the word of the Lord that can save a life comes out of you instead of despair, instead of fear. You ask some of those people who've been in those situations, believers who were there on September 11th, Believers who've been on planes that were going to crash. I remember hearing one account of a man who was in a plane crash. And all around him, as they knew they were going down, there were screams and people were, there was such profanity coming from people's mouths. But instead, out of his mouth was the name of Jesus. And not Jesus as in using his name in vain, but a crying out to him knowing that he could save. And as he saw that fireball come down the aisle of the plane, somehow he was elevated into that into that compartment above the plane, and he didn't know how he got there, but the Lord saved his life. And he didn't have time to think about what should I do right now? What's a good verse right now? Now what had to come out at that moment was something that he'd already put in him. My parents always taught me this. They said, you don't start learning what God says about healing when you get sick. You start learning what God says about healing before that thing ever comes near you so that when the day comes and you're facing that, it automatically comes out of you. There was a man, H.B. Garlock, hero of mine as a kid, missionary in Africa. He's in an area ministering to a, a, lo- a tribe there that's never heard the gospel. Great success, great Great uh, miracles and favor. There's one of the tribes that they're at war with, and he decides he wants to go there and share the gospel. They say it's very dangerous, I wouldn't go. He goes. He meets them on the way. This tribe surrounds him. 
point their spears at him. This was a cannibalistic tribe. They were ready to eat this guy. I know that sounds like the stuff of movies, but this, this time that was not entirely unheard of. This was, you know, about 80, 90 years ago. And this tribe was a new tribe. <laughs> National Geographic hadn't been there. And they look at him. It might have been more than 90 years. They look at him, and they give him a chance to say something before they kill him and eat him. They motion. You say what you need to say. He just begins to pray in the spirit. And as he does, they all back up. They drop their spears. They, <laughs> they get freaked out. And they see something that he can't see. The Lord delivered them on that day. Not only that, but that tribe came to know Jesus. There was great miracles that took place in their tribe. Do you know what? Our instinct before we got born again would be to be terrified, beg for our lives. That guy didn't beg for his life. He had trained himself to think differently. And what came out of his mouth was not fear or despair. What came out of his life, out of his mouth, was a spirit-filled prayer. That changes everything. I want to read you something from Ephesians 4. In verse 17 it says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk. Now when he says Gentiles... This is the book of Ephesians. He's not talking mostly to Jewish people. He's talking to people that would have been Gentiles to start with. But when they got born again, they're brought into the family of God. He doesn't call them Gentiles anymore. So when he's talking about Gentiles, he's talking about people that don't know Jesus, people that are not part of the covenant, people that are not part of the family of God. He says, stop walking. And we're not talking about like your walk, like, you know, how you, how you put your feet in front of another. It's talking about how you live. Stop acting like the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. What does futility mean? It means it's useless. It's empty. It's powerless. It's a waste of time. Futility of their mind, which means they think they're doing the right thing. But you know what? They don't know what God knows. They think this is the right thing. They're wrong. It says they walk in the futility of their mind. In verse 18, being darkened in their understanding. They're darkened in their understanding. When you're darkened, there's no light you can't see. They have no understanding. You may think you know something, but if you don't have understanding, you don't know what you think you know. It says they're excluded from the life of God because of what? The ignorance which is in them. What is ignorance? It means you don't know. Or you don't want to know. Ignorance means no knowledge. The ignorance that's in them. Why is there ignorance in them? Is it because they're stupid? No. They're walking in the futility of their mind. Some of these guys think they're the smartest guys out there. It's not because they're stupid. It's because of the hardness of their heart. And because they've hardened their heart to God, they become stupid. They become foolish. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's a fool. A fool doesn't mean you're stupid or uneducated. A fool means you ignore the truth. It says there's ignorance. 
in them because of the hardness of their heart. They're darkened in their understanding. They don't get it. Have you ever had to try to call, have you ever had an argument trying to convince somebody that God is real or trying to convince somebody that Jesus is alive? What a waste of time. Do you know what you need? You need the words of life. You try to argue somebody into the faith, they could be argued out of it. This is not a mental battle you need to win. Blind eyes need to be opened. Hearts need to be changed. You can't do that with an argument. Only God can do that. And the Holy Spirit can work on their minds and their hearts and open a door that you never thought was there. And often it's not that front door that you think is the real issue. It's the one around the side. And the Lord knows it. And it says here, the hardness of their heart has kept them in ignorance and darkness. They having become callous. What does callous mean? You no longer feel. You're no longer sensitive. My fingers are callous from playing guitar for many years. And I can't feel when you touch the edge of them. I've got no sensitivity there. Callousness means after, ser- after ignoring God for long enough, you don't, you don't even hear it anymore. They're becoming callous, have given themselves over to sensuality. What's sensuality? Doing what you feel. Whatever you feel like doing. For the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you. But you. Which means you're different. You did not learn Christ in this way. You didn't learn Christ in this way. If indeed you've heard him and have been taught of him, just as truth is in Jesus. He says that in reference to your former manner of life, Notice it's your former manner of life. That's not you anymore. That's who you used to be, and that person died on the cross. Reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Does it say that God is going to pin you down and take it away? Who lays it aside? When do you do it? Yeah, because these are believers. These are people that have been saved for a while. He didn't say you did lay it aside. He says you need to lay it aside right now. Well, I thought it was dead. I thought it was crucified. It is. Quit digging it up and carrying it around with you. Lay it aside. Lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. Now watch what it says. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Start thinking different. How do I know how to think? Look in the Word of God. I'm not asking you to conform to my thinking. I'm not asking you to be a little Jonathan. I am asking you to be transformed by His words, not mine. I don't have, in my own self, I don't have the words you need. But He does. My best thing that I can do and that you can do for your friends and your family is to let the Word of God speak through you. Let God speak through you. Let the life come out of you so that they will be made alive. It says be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We all got to do this. Stop thinking like you used to think. Stop talking like you used to talk. You're not that person anymore. It doesn't fit anymore. You say, well, I got to be real. Yes, you do need to be real. And who are you really? Because I just, if I keep reading this, it's going to tell me that you're a saint. You're holy. So be real. If you're holy, talk like it. Walk like it. 
You want to be authentic? That's authentic. Anything else is fake. It's funny, it's funny how many people I've met that say, I don't want to be a Christian because you guys say you believe something and I see something different. You know what? I never asked them to look at me and believe in me. I asked them to believe in Jesus. But it is a shame if I ever became a stumbling block to someone. I've, com- I've committed to myself I will never be that stumbling block. As, as far as I can help it, they're not going to trip over me. You may say, well, the Lord knows me. He sees your heart. Absolutely, He does. He loves you. He did not love you because of the nice things you do. He loves you. He loves you because He's love. Can I tell you? It's time to let that love change you. It's time to let some fruit come out of your life because the world is looking at you as their best representation of Jesus. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Think different, talk different. Put on the new self. Put it on. Put it on. That means it's you got to think about you gotta you gotta do this. Put it on. Which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness. Now you know what righteousness is? You're perfectly right with God. And holiness, what's holiness? Holy, it's perfect, it's clean of the truth. We'll stop there. Isn't that a good thought though? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renew that mind. Well, how do I do that? I let the Holy Spirit wash over it. I get into the Word and I discover how God thinks instead of how I thought this whole time. I approach the world in a different way because, you know what, I figured out He's way smarter than me. Someone might tell you, oh, you know, that Bible, that stuff that, Paul wrote, or Jesus, that was good for their day and age. Can I tell you something? God spoke through people, and He saw you in this day and age. This is not an old book that's got old values. It's from an eternal God who's got eternal values. He never changes, and He never will change. He's not changing according to culture, not changing according to what's a fad at the time. He stays the same. Now, I have to admit to you, we've understood some things about him wrong in the past because of our view of the culture. The more you get into the Word, the more you discover who he really is. Your mind changes. becomes new. You think different. And you think a little weird, guys, because that's okay. Because you know what? If a dog started acting like a human, other dogs would think he was weird too. Started doing math. Started writing letters to his love. That might be weird to everybody else. But you're not that dog anymore. You're being created differently. Embrace that. Put on the new self. Say, I'm a different person. And embrace that fact. Let your mind be renewed to be like him. You know what? Your instincts change. Your first thoughts change. Your first words change. There's things that change about you when you think differently. You've been struggling with habits and addictions and patterns in your life that you can't seem to break. Get that mind straightened out.
Think different about yourself. See yourself as God sees you. He called you righteous. He called you holy. So start to think of yourself as that person, not that other person you used to be. You're not that person anymore. Renew your mind to the way God sees you. And never, ever go back. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't try to fit in anymore. Stop being a conformist. Be transformed. Be changed by renewing your mind. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank God. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we choose to put aside our old patterns and ways of thinking. And we choose, Lord, to accept your worldview. We choose to embrace your way of looking at things, your way of speaking, your way of walking. We want to be just like Jesus. God, we're not concerned with fitting in. We want to be like Jesus. We want to be changed. We want to be renewed. You know, friends, if you've been tired of falling into the same habits and patterns and holes that you've always fell into, the Lord is able to totally change and transform you. You're not going to have to battle with that for the rest of your life. You don't have to battle with that for the rest of your life. You don't have to, you know, I've, I've known many people who were alcoholics in their lifetime, and I know that AA tells you for the rest of your life you have to say, I'm an alcoholic. But I'm going to tell you, God can do something in you. And that's not who you are anymore. You're not a, you, say, you could say, I was an alcoholic, but I'm not that person anymore. He's able to do that. Thank God for AA, but God's able to do more than that. He's able to do more than that. Like I said, I thank God for programs. I want to tell you, there are miracles that are bigger than programs. We serve a God of miracles. He's able to change you, awaken you, breathe life into you. I want to say this without any boundaries or judgments to it. Some of you, when you hear this, it might be something serious, and some of you, it might be something very light that other people wouldn't even see as a problem. But I believe that the power and presence of God is here this morning to break chains that have held you. And I think if there's anybody here this morning that says, I have been stuck in a pattern, a habit, or an addiction far too long. Now, look, there's no judgment when you come up here. For one person, it could be a heroin addiction. For another person, it might be something as small as, I get a little angry when I don't want to be angry. You know, it is not, there's no judgment here. But I want you to be able to say, I, I want to be free from that. And I'm going to mark a line on my internal calendar. I'm going to draw a line in the sand and say, today was the day I kicked it not with my own power, not with my own strength, but the Lord enabled me to jump over that wall and I'm never going back again. You've got to start somewhere. Let's start today.
So if that's you, and you say, there's been a pattern I keep going back into, and I just, I want to I want to be free from it. I want to bust out. I don't want to, I don't want that to be an issue anymore. I want to be free. We've all been there. Some of us, there are new things we discover every day. We say, we can be free. I can be free from this. This is not a part of who I am. It's not me anymore. You've got to detach yourself from it and say, that's not me. Look what the Bible said. That was my old self. That's my former way of life. That's not me anymore. I don't care if you did something this morning that says the contrary. Forget that. That's in the past. Let's move forward. So if that's you, come on up. I'll pray with you. In Jesus' name, we'll break that right now. We'll just see that broken. You don't have to go back to it. You don't have to marinate in that anymore. I want us to be open to God. I want us to be open to Him to completely change the way we think. One of the things that I'm going to pray over you that you might not have thought about, one of the things we're going to pray this morning is that the sensitivity returns. You see, you notice that the, the people he talked about, they had become callous. Now maybe what, whatever has been harassing you, been a part of your life, maybe there was a time in your life where it didn't feel right. Maybe there was a time in your life where you felt queasy. The more you did it, the more you ignored that little voice, the more you didn't hear that anymore, and you were able to just keep going. And you just kind of, that voice, arguing against it, got quieter and quieter. What we're going to pray is not only that you'd be transformed, that those chains would be broken over you, but that a sensitivity would return so that the next time you begin to step back into that mud, you will know that that's not you anymore. And you'll say, oh, that's not me. The next time you're about to say something that you normally say, oh, that's not me. The next time you're about to fall into a trap that you've fallen into before and your guard is low, it's late at night, and you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, oh, 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 the Holy Spirit's there with you. He's not only warning you, but He's empowering you. Father, in the name of Jesus, now, I want everybody to lift your hands. If you've never lifted your hands before, that's okay. It's not weird. Lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God. In the name of Jesus, we break our ties. We break our ties to those old things and those old ways. We are free in Jesus' name. I command every chain to be broken over your life right now in the name of Jesus. Be free in Jesus' name. We release ourselves from that bondage. You in Jesus' name, we're stepping out of it. And we're saying, make us new. Speak to us, Lord. We resist the devil and he will flee. We're humbling ourselves under the hand of God. Lord, right now, I ask you to empower my brothers and sisters to step out of that darkness and step into light. 
stepping out of darkness and into light. I pray that their hearts would be sensitive to you. That they'd be sensitive and they'd hear your voice in that area. Oh God, I know they may hear your voice. They may know your voice. But Lord, in this area that maybe has gotten quieter, maybe it's gotten dull or dim, that it'd be sharp again. That they'd hear you so clearly again. Lord, may your love wrap over them and enrapture them and enclose them that they know that they're not a failure to you. They know that they're not, they're not a loser in your sight, but they're beloved by God. They're holy, they're righteous, and they begin to see themselves as holy, righteous, renewed in the spirit, renewed in the inner man, renewed in the spirit of their mind. Lord, train us to think different. Train us to talk different. God, for those who struggled with, with the words of their mouth, oh, whether it be profanity or whether it be fear, whether it be worry or anxiety or filthy talk, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, that you, just as you cleansed Isaiah's mouth, that you'd put a coal to their lips and you would cleanse their mouth. Lord, that they'd speak words of life instead of cursing. That they'd speak life into a situation instead of death. That there'd be no idle communication out of their mouth, but only such a thing which ministers grace to the hearer. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those that have been struggling with addiction right now. Be free from that addiction in Jesus' name. We proclaim release to you. You're no longer bound. Stand up and be free. And I want you to take action. Those of you that came because of a physical addiction, you were addicted to some substance, I want you to act on this right now. Not right now, but when you get home. I want you to completely clear your home of any of that stuff that used to tempt you. Get it out of there and don't bring it back in. And don't do it out of fear. It's not that you're afraid of it. It's that it has no part in your home anymore. It has no part in your life anymore. You make that home a place where the Spirit of God can dwell. Now here's what Jesus said, and this is an instruction for you. Jesus said, if I cast the demons out, if I cast the evil spirits out, and the house remains unoccupied, he says those evil spirits will come back and they'll bring spirits with them seven times more wicked than themselves. So what you need to do is not just clear the bad out, but fill it. Fill your mind with the word of the Lord. Fill your mouth with praise, and there won't be room for all that other junk. Fill your mouth with thanksgiving. Fill your house with the presence of God, so that no evil spirit could ever feel comfortable in that place. Fill it with the Spirit of God. I want you to walk around your home praying in the Holy Spirit, singing songs of worship. Turn up that music that glorifies God. Fill it. I want you to turn off the TV and begin to praise God in your home, that your halls are filled with thanksgiving, that your, your bedroom is full of praise. And I'm going to tell you there will be a change in your family your kids will act different. Your children will act different. Your marriage will change. 
Your marriage will change. Quit looking to God to change your spouse. Begin to let God change you. And watch how things turn around. Wives, if you have an unbelieving husband, I'm going to tell you what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that when you serve God and you surrender your life to God, your husband could be won over without a word. Isn't that awesome? You wouldn't even have to say anything. You say, oh, maybe I could convince him. I've tried every argument. I've tried every conversation. You know what? God has given you the ability to walk in such love and such light that that husband or, and guys, if, it, if you're a husband here and you're believing for your wife, that that spouse could be won over without even a word as they observe your life. Speak life into your situation. I want you to visualize something right now. I want you to visualize right now where you were and where you are now. And I want you to see it as a line in the sand. That today, January 20th, 2013, you broke that last tie to that old way of life. And I want you in, the, in, in your mind, just, just imagine it. We're not doing a weird mind trick. This is not a new agey thing. This is just something for you to remember. I want you to remember this moment as a moment that you committed to God. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now you don't ever let the devil lie to you and tell you, oh, no, 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 you'll fall back into it. You're a loser. Because you're not a loser. The Spirit of the living God dwells in you. And that Spirit is indomitable. It's unshakable. It's unchainable. You're free. This is your last, that was, yesterday was the last day. That was the last day you ever struggled with that again. You call yourself free. You stop talking about that stuff anymore. No, it's not you anymore. It's not you anymore. Don't let the, the enemy comes back to accuse. Oh, he comes back to accuse and say, no, no, no. Oh, you forget. That preacher didn't know what you did. Oh, he didn't know what you did yesterday. He didn't know what you did this week. Oh, and you'll do it again. You always do. You've already you've said this before. You know that he's a liar. I don't care how many times you've tried this before. You're not trying it this time. And if you fall, you get up. Don't let, the, don't let circumstance or any other thing change your identity. You're a new person now. Thank you, Jesus.